Hi, I'm Miranda. And I'm Stephanie. In this episode, we discuss my conversation with best-selling parenting author and the weekend parenting columnist for CBC Radio, Anne Douglas. As well, we discuss Stephanie's conversation with president and CEO of the Economic Club of Canada and co-founder of the Global Institute for Conscious Economics, Rhiannon Roseland. Let's go. All right. I'm so excited. Yes. Uh, well, it'd be interesting to see if we have kid interruptions this time as well. The plan <laughs> for today is that we're going to uh, reflect on the interviews, latest interviews we've done, but also talk about the the election that's happening in Canada. And before we do that, I just want to kick it off with some comments. Uh, Chloe from Las Vegas says this about women don't do that. I love it when women inspire other women. We need more of that. Thank you for doing what you do. And Jesse from Ottawa on Twitter said, calm, happy mom, question mark, still eludes me, but I endeavor. And Anne, our awesome recent guest, replied, I find it helpful to try to be a little calmer and a little happier a little more often. That feels a whole lot more agreeable to me as I navigate my gloriously imperfect life. If you haven't yet listened to the interview with Anne or read the blog article, You Can Be a Happy Mom, I think if you are a parent, you will very much enjoy her practical, non-judgy advice. Um, Anne is the mom of four kids, and they're all kind of grown now, and she just has so much wisdom and experience to share. And as a writer, part of her process is to interview a lot of parents and then use what she learns from them in developing her content and her advice in her books. And so being a mom of four and then interviewing a lot of parents, of course, really gives her good context, I think, and good understanding of what it is truly like to be a parent in Canada today. Uh, so check those out. The podcast is You Can Be a Happy Mom. And the blog post is also called You Can Be a Happy Mom. <laughs> I think you're so right. There were so many moments throughout it that were kind of ahas for me or, oh, that's a great reminder. That's some really good practical advice, you know, regardless of whether you're working or not or all the things. So it is certainly really good there. You know, you pulled together a good blog, but then I was like, there's also such a, so much other meat in there, uh, which is great to listen to. One of the things I thought was really interesting was how she talks about that there's actual research about that dads enjoy parenting more than moms. I know. Yes. I, that was fascinating to me. And and I just love when there's research that backs things up, right? Because people will say things like that and then everybody jumps all over it. And I wondered too, something that it kind of made me reflect on is like the physical nature of if you give birth, right? Like the baby grows inside you and then you deliver it and maybe you're nursing it and all of these things that happen to you and the postpartum depression potentially. And there's just those connections to your baby and and the way that you experience it is also just so physical that it's just a very different experience. And I, I hadn't really reflected on what that could mean to me as a parent just because of my gender. I loved her answer to my question about why is it that dads are happier moms, happier than moms. And she said it's really because of the job description that we still assign to moms. You know, we expect moms to work outside the home as if they don't have children and then to raise children within the home as if they don't work. And that's sort of an extreme point to make. Hopefully in people's lives, they feel like there's a little bit more 
give there and grace, mm-hmm. but I think that that can be what it feels like sometimes, right? Yeah. Just- I think especially depending on where you work, like in the home life, I, I haven't, you know, my spouse has never treated me like I could never work late if I needed to or those kinds of things, which certainly some people would experience. But on the on the work front, I have definitely worked in an environment where I basically had to pretend I didn't have kids, right? Like there's no flexibility. There was no, you know, leaving early one day and going to some special thing at the school and then making up those hours, staying late every day and like not worrying about having to leave at a certain time and pick up your kids I had to do that. And it is very, very hard. I don't think I could be a working mom if I didn't have the setup that I do. Like I work eight minutes from my house. Love it. And my son's school is one minute or less from the house, um, which is also where my younger son's daycare is. So we have everything set up within very close proximity to us. And my work has a lot of flexibility in terms of like what you just said, if you need to leave to go to something special for the school, um, as long as you're making sure that things are covered, you can go do that and you can make up the hours elsewhere. And the situation you described, I, and I, I had that at one point too, but it was very brief. And I realized this isn't going to work for my family. I have to mm-hmm. make a change. And I'm so glad that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we talk about you know, making the best decisions and also give some advice around not worrying about what other parents are doing, really looking honestly at your family's situation, your family's needs, the needs of your relationship, the needs of your parent, of your children, and making decisions with that information and then owning them and feeling good about them and not comparing them to everybody else, especially not comparing them to other people's social media feeds, which are just unrealistic (laughs) examples of what's really going on. And I love that because I think that is how badass women make the best decisions is they make the decision based on their values, their realities, their capacities. And you don't need to apologize if you tell your, you know, if you have to say to your employer, okay, full time is just not what's right for me right now. I need to switch to a point nine or I need to switch to a point eight. It doesn't matter if it seems like, you know, your friend down the street is working full time and then some and still rocking being a mom. Like, just ignore that. That's not a factor in your decision making. You need to do what's going to bring you some calm, some happiness and some time in your life. Yeah, what and whatever works for for you in your life. And I I often say like you know, you look at Instagram, you look at other people sometimes and often think, "Oh, they have it all together." And usually your perception is wrong. They probably don't. Uh, and if they tell you everything's perfect, my theory is that it's always a lie. <laughs> Cuz it's just <laughs> how is that even possible? Um, no, I, I that's good. And I also really appreciated and this is something we've talked a little bit about before too, like creating white space on your calendar sometimes, right? One of the things that I've been reflecting on as the fall schedule has started, again, is just, you know, how to manage, you know, having your kids and activities, the school, just, again, like trying to do all of the things. And one thing that I would challenge people to do is to sit down and try and take some time. I know that's hard, but it'll be worth it. And actually schedule all the things you want to do in a week and see if it's even possible And if it's not, you need to make some changes and it will allow you to do that because if you're feeling really overwhelmed, probably your to-do list is bigger than what you can physically actually get done. And that's a problem. (laughs) And it can be challenging because it's hard to say to your kids, oh, you know, we can't do that right now. 
But that's okay. It is actually perfectly reasonable as a parent to work with your partner if you have one and put those parameters in place that say, as a family, we have the capacity for one activity per child per week or or whatever those boundaries are. If that's difficult for your kid to understand, I mean, they get to experience some frustration and some disappointment in life. But I think putting the context around it, if we want to have more family time or, you know, we want to make sure our weekends aren't so busy, that's reasonable. That's okay. And you can, yeah. you know, you don't have to tell your kid you can't do that activity forever, but just not, you have to pick one right now. And that means saying no to something else. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, again, getting back to that point about doing whatever is best for your family. I recently was having a conversation with a friend of ours and their kids play competitive hockey and they love it. They don't have any family in the city. That is their social circle. Those are their friends. And they spend a lot of time doing it and they love it. I'm like, and they seem to get joy and energy from it. And that's fantastic. So just mm-hmm. doing that is uh, great. whatever is best for you. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways that families can look and we need to stop comparing. We need to stop comparing and stop judging. Just base <laughs> decisions on your own values and let other people do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's part of it, right, is letting other people do the same thing. I think, is it Rachel Hollis that says someone else's opinion of you is none of your business? Yes. It's not, something like that. And I and I like that because it's true. And, and we get so much worry about you know, what people think of us and things like that. But at the end of the day, maybe you can't change their opinion. Maybe it's not worth it, but you can control how you feel about it or let it affect your life. Yes. You don't have to use it as a factor in making your decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. When you were talking earlier about Anne, it was making me reflect on my conversation with Rhiannon about how just being your authentic self can make such a difference in terms of like leadership or like people seeing in your life that, you know, you don't have this perfect Instagram life and all the things. And one of the things I love about Rhiannon, and and this is definitely reflected in the interview, is that she really cares about uh, social good. She cares about people having enough resources, all these things in addition to being a CEO and making you know, obviously money and business decisions. And I loved at the end of the interview, she kind of talked about how being real and the challenges that she's had. And, you know, you basically don't snap your fingers and all of these things happen. And I just thought, what a leader, like that she was the one that pointed that out at the end of the interview. And, you know, she doesn't want people to think it's easy and they can just that these things happen easily, but also that I think people have the ability to do it if they want to. And I just think those messages from her are really important. Hmm, yeah, just confirming. I don't want people to think I have it all together. Of course, I sound smart in this interview, but I'm a real person <laughs> with challenges too. I did so appreciate that because yeah. she does sound so poised and intelligent and, you know, and she is, right? Yes. But yes, the, of course, in her life, there's things she's working on and her honesty there was uh, what I think that is what leadership looks like, right? Is just that willingness to be vulnerable. And it's a different way to lead, but it's so refreshing and builds trust and connection. So Mm -hmm. I I enjoyed that interview a lot. What, what, What did we call that one? How to get promoted and stay on top. And I, I work with her in my full time job. And I get to see her in action and hear the things that people say about her. And I have yet to hear even just a single negative thing. Like she just 
she really is the way that she comes across and it's just amazing. One of the things that I talked about in the blog that I wrote was how to get out of your own way in advance in your career. And of course, you know, when we talk about um, what do you want in your career, maybe maybe you don't want to advance in your career and that's okay too. Um, but really the focus was, and I draw also on the interview I done with Caroline Riseborough, the president of Plan Canada. And both of these women really talked about that there's also a role that you can play in your own career growth. I think, you know, not all the time, but sometimes there can be different barriers, right? You can have really difficult colleagues that make it hard for you. You can have a boss that doesn't like you. You can have a, a boss who's sexist. Like there's all kinds of things. Um, and But Caroline also talks about um, the role that you have to play, right? Like if, if you want a seat at the table, you have to get the seat at the table. And if you do get the seat at the table, you have to make, like do the work, right? Like you can't just get there and then not deliver the results that are expected or um, all kinds of things like that. So I think that th- that those were important messages that um, there are things that you can do and that um, there's things you can't control, but there's, there's things that, that you can as well. And I thought that was a, a good reminder. And it was also really useful, I think, for women who might be making decisions about like you said, whether or not you do want to advance in your career, because it's not always easy or obvious. I know I've had times in my life where opportunities have come up and I've said no to them because I just thought because of what was going on in my family at that time, it wouldn't be a good time for a change in my career. I just needed things to be a little bit slower and a little more stable at work. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and just, I, needed work to not need me as much as my family needed me. Right. And there's, then there's, you know, going back to work after this maternity leave, now an opportunity has come up and I've chosen to take it because I feel like my family's in a place where that's healthy for me. That's, that's going to be healthy for them. That's within our capacity right now. And that feels good. And I'm excited about that, but I don't regret previously making the decision to just move a little bit slower and not advance at that time. And those can be tough choices, but yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where you, again, coming back to like owning your own decisions and what's best for your family, right? Because you guys are the only ones that know what, what that answer is. Um, You know, I took a little bit of different path from you, I guess, in terms of jumping at uh, a lot of opportunities. And I talked about this. I had written um, a a blog post, if people want to check it out, about ambition. And one of the challenges for me, and it's definitely not always a good thing, is that I... I just love learning and growing. I, I constantly want to be learning different things, getting better at what I do. And I almost don't know how to stop. It can be really challenging for me. So so I've made different choices and, and I'm happy with the choices I've made. Um, but I also have a hard time with not taking on those new opportunities too. So that's something that I struggle with. Something about you, Stephanie, though, is you have a lot of energy, and I know you've been struggling with being with with health challenges the last yeah. little bit, and so you have been lower energy than than you typically have been. Mm-hmm. But knowing you since university, as I have, I've seen that you you do actually have more energy, I think, than most people, and the capacity mm-hmm. for bigger roles than I would say I've had at points in my life, right. and that's okay. And so I think. I've seen you struggle with that and kind of wonder if you're making compromises that other moms don't make or something along those lines. Right. But 
some people just, you know, because of the family support that they have or, or whatever else, or just their personal drive and energy level, they have the capacity for things that maybe someone else would say, I, I just don't want to put all that energy into that. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I've always chosen to do. So if you are somebody, anybody who's listening, that's a little bit like me. One of the things that has worked well for me and I think allowed me to feel like I could be a good mom and a good employee is to really be intentional at both of those things, right? Like when I'm at work, I'm at work, I work hard, I'm focused. When I'm at home, I'm very focused on my kids. We spend a lot of time together. Like if I, not in all cases, but in many cases, if I'm not at work, I am with them doing things. So I I feel, I don't feel like I have missed out on a bunch of things or things like that. And I also know that just everybody's different. And for me, mental health wise, especially uh, being in the workforce was something that I needed to do. And so it, it at first, that was a really hard thing for me to realize. Um, but now I have come to accept it and fear retirement. This is something. <laughs> there was this old neighbor that I had who was in her 80s and she was still on these boards and contributing. And I just loved it. And it just that gave me a little bit of sense of like, oh, you can still be contributing to things in a meaningful way. And um, I loved that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All so right. Let's, let's talk I've about been... what's going on Yay. in Canada right now. Yeah. So because <laughs> last week. Uh, we finished a provincial election here in Manitoba, where I live, and the next day, the federal government, September 12th, announced the start of the federal election. Everybody knows what that means, right? Like, we're electing our national government, our prime minister, and then our member of parliament that represents us in our home riding. I think we're both passionate about Miranda, which is why we wanted to talk about this today, and we won't spend too much time on it, but it's just people getting involved in the political process. And certainly from me, you know, door knocking from my own nomination, I did have a lot of women that just didn't know much about politics, weren't interested or would say like they would want to ask their spouses about, you know, what they should do. And I completely, you know, can appreciate that people might not have the same interests as me or might not want to. Um, At the same time, I think I would encourage women to consider their interest in paying attention to these kinds of issues because these are the decision makers that decide how to spend our money and what priorities our government has. And they can have a profound impact on your life. You know, sometimes you see different policies created, like different childcare issues and things like this, that in the past, when it was more just men involved, those issues didn't get addressed as much. So we should back up and explain to people exactly how you engaged in the political process because this Mm. past or a year ago now you put your name forward as someone who was willing to be a candidate for a particular party in the riding that you grew up so you competed in that process to be a candidate and ultimately a different candidate was selected so now that person is running for in this election but if you had been successful then you would now be a candidate running to be a member of parliament. In this yes, that's election. correct. Um, and I agree with you, as you said, it, it is valuable for women to get involved in this process in whatever way works for them. I'll just give a little shout out to Manitoba, which was the first province in Canada and one of the first places in the world where women were given the vote in 1918. And then it spread throughout Canada after that. But since then, yes, as you said, policies have changed in very meaningful ways, particularly social policies, where we look at, 
maternity leave and parental benefits and childcare options, uh, even the way that different products are taxed, lots of ways where women's input in decision making and women's ability to vote and sway the outcomes of elections has shaped the way policy policymakers look at issues. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, and it, it can make a huge difference. Um, our last prime minister really was able to get out, or a current prime minister who's who's running again, but was able to get out the Indigenous vote, the youth vote, and the women vote. But those were traditionally not people that voted in the numbers they had for that party, um, but they were able to appeal to those voters. And certainly whatever party is really able to mo- like, caption the imagination and the voting power of the majority of women in Canada would win the election. So I just think it's important when those decisions do affect women's lives. So Miranda, we thought we'd jump through a few things today. So first of all, talking us through the different ways that people decide how they're going to vote. It can be daunting if you are more interested in your own life than maybe sometimes what's happening at the federal level. It can seem like a nuisance to make a decision on who to vote for. And it can seem like maybe you just don't know all the information that you need to make an informed decision. But there are some ways to break it down and make it feel a little more accessible. Um, and some people do that by making looking at the candidate within the riding. So you might say, okay, who is running specifically in my riding where I live? Who are my choices? And then learn about those people. And it's actually not that challenging to possibly pop in on their campaign offices or they will come door to door. Maybe they'll come to your house and take a minute to meet them and ask them some questions, possibly, maybe not, um, but learn a little bit about them and you can make your decision based on who you feel would best represent where you live. Uh, so that's that's one strategy that people might employ. Uh, other people are more um, party focused. So each candidate within your riding will be a member of a federal party. And that could factor into your decision as well. What does that party stand for? What are the policies? And again, these are posted on their website. In most cases, you can go to a party's website and see the positions that they have on different issues. You might just care to, about who the party's leader is. Yeah. Just, sorry, just to jump in there, Miranda, for a second. For the current election, not all of the party platforms are out, but they will be trickling out. So if you just keep checking in, then it will get updated. Uh, And you might want to talk about Stephanie, like sometimes, you know, people make the decision based on the gender of a candidate, whether they prefer to vote for a man or whether they prefer to vote for a woman that can absolutely be a factor in some people's voting decisions. Yeah, there are, um, there's certainly groups in Canada that would encourage women to support other women just to increase the number of women in parliament. And there's also lots of women in Canada that don't believe that that is appropriate. So if that's appropriate to you, that's fine. And if it's not, that's fine too. Um, but that is a way that sometimes people choose to vote. Miranda, I think I cut you off when you were saying party leader is another way. So sometimes, especially the way that voting happens in Canada, um, if you want a certain prime minister, then you would vote for that party. Uh, and also issue specific. So you might really care about daycare. So maybe you go to the different parties' websites and find out what they're saying about those issues. There's also a lot of organizations that will track issues. So for the one that I work for, we're at at Children First Canada, we're tracking issues related to children. 
So if you go to our website, we have like a tracker that will show you. Um, There's another one called Children's Healthcare Canada, where they're tracking the ones related to healthcare for children. But there are ones that will follow women's issues or trade or like different things like that. So you will be able to find um, that information as well. Uh, I guess one thing I would caveat that with as well is just because it's not in their platform doesn't mean they don't care about it, but it, it does give them a sense of give you a sense of what the priorities are. You can full on call up the candidate in your area and say, what is your position on this? Mm-hmm. Um, you might not speak to them directly. Media. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even if you don't speak to the candidate directly, you might speak to somebody involved in their campaign. I think what's most important is just not to see it as daunting, not to see it as a waste of time, um, but to see it as something even that you model for your kids right? Of whether it's watching the debate, those are opportunities as well to hear them, see how they present themselves and and see how they argue for the the policies that they plan to implement if they're elected. Mm -hmm. And of course, like, please don't just ask your husband who to vote for or think that you have to vote for the same person or party as your partner. Um, Because you don't, it's fine to disagree. There's lots of couples who vote differently. And I think as long as you respect one another and just respect that it's an individual decision. Um, and, and you may want to talk about it together and, and perhaps make the decision together, but just remember that nobody, you don't decide for your partner and your partner doesn't decide for you. And it might sound funny that I'm saying that, the, but the reality is that Stephanie and I have both encountered many people who say, Oh, I don't know who I'm voting for yet. I have to ask my husband. And that needs to be a thing of the past. Um, So just summarizing some of the things we've talked about in terms of how to be informed, you can visit party websites, you can go to debates in your community, there's usually local ones. So if you do want to see the local candidates, people coming to your door, ask the questions about the issues you care about, ask the candidates on social media. Um, Elections Canada is where you can get information about who those candidates are, you just type in your postal code. Um, The national debates, as Miranda mentioned, I can add a list to the show notes. uh, So if people are interested, they know where what dates to find them. Uh, there's also, you know, listening to the news, uh, checking out podcasts. Rosie Barton, who's a well-known journalist in Canada, and one of her colleagues has started a podcast called Party Lines. Um, there are others, but it's the only one I've listened to so far. And the most recent episode that they did was about women. And that was a big deal in Canada because um, our current prime minister, after the last election, had the first gender parity cabinet. Um, and so she was just talking about how has he done in terms of his record and um, how do the other parties stand on those issues and where were, where will some of those votes go and some of the issues that women may or may not be interested. Um, it might be interesting for you to check it out, especially if you're in Canada. Um, you could, there's a lot of political podcasts now. So you and I are maybe a little more hungry for those than some <laughs> yeah, people exactly. might be. Yeah. But I subscribe to You don't to have to become them. political sure. animal. You don't. Uh-oh. You don't. No. no. I just wanted to add to when we talk about, you know, there's many different ways to get involved, obviously, and at a minimum vote, right? Like you have a democratic right. So we would encourage you to vote. But there's lots of other ways. And we've talked about some of them, but you can donate your money. You can also donate your time. It It is not easy to run as a candidate. It costs a lot of time. It costs a lot of money and you need help. So if you have somebody in your community whether it's the person or the party that you support, um, giving them some of your time is 
very well <laughs> worth your efforts and will be very appreciated um, by the candidate. And I know, I don't know about political comments in other countries, but I feel like a lot of people right now in Canada are disheartened at the political process or some of the narrative being very negative. Um, at the same time, my personal opinion is that you have to be the change that you want to be, right? If that you want to see. So whether it's just voting or otherwise, I think it's really important. All right, so now you have all the information about how to get involved in the political process uh, so you can make decisions and get out there and uh, hope to see you engaged. Thanks for listening to this episode of Women Don't Do That. As always, we hope to see you throughout the week on our blog at womendontdothat.com. Keep in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter at Women Don't Do That. Please also leave us a comment and a review. We look forward to you joining us next time.